Get ready to experience the pulse of the outdoor community as we dive into the stories of people's journeys into the outdoor world. And we are rolling, so. Hello, my name is Mitch Dean and welcome to the Outdoor Pulse. Today we have Natalie on. She is a Camp Gladiator instructor and hikes a bunch of 14ers out here in Colorado. And she's originally from Dallas, Texas. So how's it going, Natalie? Hey, hey, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Happy to have you on. So we'll start off with just kind of the outdoors and how you originally got into it and what kind of like your first steps into the outdoor community and what those were. Yeah, well, I mean, growing up in Texas, there's not too much going on well like in Dallas especially um you you hike to the bar (laughs) (laughs) and so I came out to Colorado when I was like 15 on a church camp and that was really my first experience with the outdoors because we did go on a hike we were out in Estes Park I mean you have to go hike in Estes Estes and from there I was like yeah I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to live out here. So 13 years passed. I was able to move out here. And right before I moved out here, my cousin was already living in Estes. And I would visit him like the year prior to my move. And I actually hiked twin sisters. So it's just a little 12er. But it was really great to try out, kind of get that higher altitude feel. And... That I from there on, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm addicted. I saw Long's Peak and I claimed, I was like, I'm going to hike Long's Peak. I don't know when. I know it's not the hardest 14er, um, but it's challenging and everyone, I feel like, kind of wants to do it. And that just struck my love for hiking. And it just feels really good to get out there. So from then on, I also would like travel around the world and before I even moved out here I had hiked through Machu Picchu I also got to hike um, Rainbow Mountain which is almost 17,000 feet out there in Peru which is crazy (laughs) yeah and then when I actually moved here my friend Tommy who's a very very avid hiker um, especially on 14ers he's the one who took me on my first 14er and it was Antero (laughs) difficult last two so perfect for someone who's never done a 14er (laughs) it was great and I was like yes I'm so into this even though I'm like asthmatic and (laughs) like could barely breathe but I I mean you just fall in love right like you just you get out there and that adrenaline becomes an addiction and now I'm at 16 complete 14er summits to fail but they were winter he Tommy also got me into the winter hiking on 14ers too, which is a different breed. (laughs) So how long ago was uh, your first 14er that you hiked exactly? It was like two years, one month now, because it was, yeah. So in two years, years you've done 16 14ers. That's awesome. Yes. Yes. It's been a little bit slow as of lately, just with, the fires here in Colorado and being asthmatic. So just protecting my lungs. I am planning to get out there like hopefully this Friday and get one, another one and, and hopefully more. I want to obviously get more. doesn't matter when. (laughs) And then how long ago is that when you were in Estes park, kind of looking at the mountains and just kind of had it in your mind that you were going to move out here? So the very first time was when I was 15. So that was 2005. And then when I went there again as an adult, that was July 2017 at, with my cousin. And that and that's 2017 one. Peak. Yeah. 2017 yeah, was yeah. the big. So yes, really quickly, the, the, quick turn, the quick turnaround, you got out here pretty quickly after that then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, okay, have to find a way. And the universe gave me a way. Like, great. I'm literally packing my boxes up and I'm ready to get out there now. 
That's awesome. So when you got out here, what was the first 14er you did again? The Antero. Antero. Yes, yes. It's near the Collegiate Mountain. Um, I forget which range that is. Shame on me. Um, but it is near like Princeton, Yale, all of them. Um, and like down south of Antero is like um, Shavano and Tabagwash and like Holy Cross. So it's a good one to do. So when it comes to 14ers, if you've done a decent amount now, so if you had any advice for someone kind of like first getting into it, so for that first climb, what were some of the things that you wish that you would have known going into it or known more about or been more prepared with? I would say, I mean, my first climb was like a more difficult one, but all of them, because I've done several class ones that are easier than the first one I did. And what I always tell people is they're all hard. It doesn't matter what level they are. They're all hard. And just know that it does kind of take a toll on your body to be that high up in altitude. So like acclimate a bit more. Um, also just like start early. That's number one, like I've seen so many people, they're like, they just say in the summertime, especially they're like, okay, yeah, so we could start at like seven or 8am. And I just look at them like they're crazy, because they're going to be hit by like, Colorado summer thunderstorms. And yeah. that's how people die on 14ers because they get struck by lightning, or you get caught in hail, um, whatever it may be. So, you know, get to the summit and be below tree line by 10, 30, 11 a.m. latest. So that means you've already hit that top and you're back down um, yeah. getting to your car. Also, what I have learned is whatever 14ers.com says in miles, just go ahead and add another mile or two. It, whenever I track it with my watch, I'm always seeing that it's another mile or two longer. So just expect that. Um, and water, tons and tons and tons of water. Uh, I was given the advice to go ahead and bring a lot of water, which I'm glad I did because I've seen a lot of people who just bring that one little water bottle. And I'm like, I don't know what you're going to do with that. I've, um, already, I've already ran into that and had to hand out water because I'm looking at people yes. struggle. I'm like, you look like you need a little bit of water there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've definitely done that. Um, and night before, personally, I carb load. Um, sometimes I'll even carb load a couple days prior. And that's actually something that we're taught in um, when you are becoming a certified personal trainer. It's just about carb loading properly. You can do it about three days prior to a muscle endurance type workout, which is hiking a 14er for sure. Um, and just know like your body does need those carbs. So especially for like my women out there, like who are so carb conscious, carb load. <laughs> I promise it's fine. <laughs> You're going to burn them all off. No, uh, carbs oh, are so absolutely. important. I've, I've been soccer and climbing and I can tell when, if I go into a big, like a, with rock climbing, you're always eating carbs just all the time. Cause if you're climbing every other day, you're just always carb loading. Oh, Cause yeah. climbing is exactly. one of those sports that just drains you. So, and then soccer too. Yeah. And your we, muscles are working oh, yeah. like no other. And our coaches would always be like, okay, we got a big game tomorrow. So eat, eat your carbs tonight. <laughs> so mm -hmm. yes. See, I've, been, I've had that, had that drilled into my head since I was in high school, so I'm, I'm kind of lucky with kind of having that, but I've not really gotten into the 14ers too much. I've hit a couple 13ers since I've been out here, so, but it's um, definitely something that... 13ers are a lot harder than 14ers are here. The, my favorite one that I've done so far since it's in between all those 14ers in uh, the... I, I'm going to say it wrong and I'm gonna a bunch of people are gonna be like you said that wrong but uh Breitbart or yeah I guess yeah Beerstat that's that's the one yeah. and it has Beerstat and I forget the other ones all around it but our Pikes Peaks right there too right like show, um it's all that there's like you three can or see four. Pikes from Beerstat yeah yeah from Beerstat you'll see Grayson Tories you're that's going the other to one. see yeah. um Sherman kind of out in the 
distance and there's like Gemini Peak, which is a 13er. The Decalibron live, you could be from there. Square top. Square top, you can see all of them from there too. And square top's yeah. at 13.8. And I remember the thing about that is that there was nobody on top. It was just me and my dog for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, where's oh, the people? Because all the because all the parking lots were like jam-packed. And I'm like, where's all the people at? And I'm like, afterwards i was talking to people they're like yeah they're all in the 14ers around you and i'm like oh uh-huh. <laughs> i didn't even think about that so it was kind of funny. i have not done square top yet um just since i have been so super focused on the 14ers, just bagging yeah. all the 14ers but they are a lot of fun i i mean i enjoy all of them as long as i'm up high i'm good <laughs> Being into climbing, I'm definitely looking forward to getting into the 14ers and even 13ers that are like the class three, class four, even the higher ones. Because coming from a climbing background, I know that you use ropes and helmets and things like that at a certain point. And you start getting into that territory, which I think would be kind of the ultimate goal. (laughs) You would like it a lot. Um, I would say probably like the... The hike I did before Long Peak um, was actually Tory. So I had done Grace as my second 14er. And I was with a friend from sea level. And she won. Oh, that's the other thing, y'all. Like, just prepare for the worst. I did Grace in August. And it was 20 degree wind chill. But I mean, we were freezing. I did not have enough base layers, anything like that. Just prepare for the worst in weather. Um, that is key advice right there. And so we did not go to, you know, traverse into Tories, but that worked out because I'm heard, I'm sure you have heard of like the knife edge, especially on Capitol. There's like a hundred foot knife edge where it's just like sheer drops on the side. So Tories actually has the Kelso Ridge because it's linked up to Kelso. And you can access it from the Grays and Tories trailhead. And that is class three um, with a very small class four, like 50, maybe not even 50 feet, maybe like 20, 30 feet of a knife edge. And I think you would enjoy that. It's dope. (laughs) For everyone, can you go through what each of the classes mean for the mountains and what that kind of entails? Because sure. we're going through all this and it would just be nice for everyone to, and I know that you're yeah. more read up on that than I am, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, they go from class one through five. And then as you know, as a climber, you have your 5.1 through, I think it's 5.8, right? point. Uh, uh, I think the hardest climb in the world right now is a five. Fif- I think they've hit five fifteen finally. Oh wow! But, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, so. because I am a hiker, I really just focus on class one through four, which there are only in Colorado. As far as the fourteeners go, they only go up to a class four. As far as like how you get up there. Now there are like saddles, so like the in-between of each peak, like the Maroon Bells that starts, you can, there's a route that does become class five and class five means ropes. So class one's the easiest. So just think, you know, trekking poles always help just for that extra stability, Um, but you're not going to be like on your hands and feet or hands and knees or trying to like bear crawl up um you're pretty much just gonna go ahead and walk right up doesn't mean it's not hard like i mentioned um it's just not as technical then you have your class twos where you might start scrambling a bit so maybe there's moments where you are using your hands to kind of get over a boulder um and you're just kind of like (laughs) being like a mountain goat through the um, boulders and that usually happens more of like the home stretch so like the end where you're trying to get to the summit class three is where everyone will start to recommend wear a helmet um, and that usually just means to because to kind of help 
you determine like what the different classes are because some people are like oh my gosh like I felt like that class one was harder than this class two or I thought this class two was a lot easier you know um the class three also means like there's a lot more exposure so like rocks can be falling shooting off um it can mean it could be pretty like loose grease so like almost that like loose rock where it's just you walk on it and you just sink, which that is, that's definitely bros and it sucks. Um, I will never repeat bros in the summer because you just sink in. Um, but you are just scrambling, scrambling a lot more. You are kind of like rock climbing without any ropes too. Like it's safe enough. The rock is secure for the most part um, to go ahead and do a lot more elevation gain a lot quicker versus like switchbacks, right? And then class four, you still don't need ropes. There are times when people feel the need that they need ropes. And with that, it's, it can be everything from scrambling, bouldering, um, you know, a lot more of a fast elevation gain that you are doing. Um, definitely wear a helmet, that exposure, you know, where you might have like sheer drops on both sides of you may be happening. Um, and then, yeah, then the class five, like I mentioned, does start going into more of that rock climbing. I've heard of people that have done the Maroon Bells Traverse with no ropes and that, you know, saddle is a class five. Uh, <laughs> but not um, they're a brave. hard class yeah, five? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not a hard class five. Like, if you're very experienced and you are brave enough to be like, I think at that point you're probably like well up in the 13,000 feet. Um, and Marin Bells is definitely the most, I would say, recognizable peaks out in Colorado because it's so beautiful. It's like Colorado's like, yeah. like state picture pretty much. Um, so if you can just imagine that, and if you wanted to free climb it, um, but I mean, that's also how people die. So <laughs> class five, I recommend, you know, grab your ropes, grab your helmet, you know, be with someone that knows what they're doing. Um, but yeah, definitely like class three and four is where you're going to want to bring a helmet. And I mean, like a good helmet too, a good hiking helmet. I've had people bring like a bicycle helmet. Um, that's fine but then I've heard on class fours like I'll see stories of people on class fours and just like rock fall happens and it has completely shattered their helmet so just know that yeah helmets are always important I mean in climbing once you start getting into more dangerous climbs it's always definitely suggested to wear a helmet of course with a For lot sure. of climbs it's a lot of the climbs that I've done I've not you don't need a helmet down at the red a lot of the times because a lot of the climbs are overhung and the falls are safe I mean there still okay. is a danger but you're not under the risk of rock falls like you are with the loose gravel and yes. loose rock and yeah climbing especially, up like especially so. especially in goalies oh man they're they're terrible I when I did Long's Peak I stopped because Long's Peak is in Rocky Mountain National Park, um, Estes is a super high destination and people just think that they could go into it and be totally fine. Um, and they're not. And so in the trough, um, which is a goalie, I mean, people, there's like speed hikers. And so they're just like coming down so fast and they're shooting rocks, which is very just rude in the hiking community. But I mean, these things can happen. And so wear a helmet, you know, protect your head. And um, that way, search and rescue doesn't have to come for you. Last thing you want happening. <laughs> yes, which um, I personally was not in that situation, but someone of my group was, yeah. <laughs> not a fun one to be in for sure. <laughs> no, no. Um, it's like... I mean, sometimes it, it's a beyond your control though I mean you're out in nature so I mean things happen Absolutely. so yeah expect you, you the are worst. out there expect that, yeah expect that you are in a sense like 
risking your life. Like it's not a safe sport. I mean, even on, even though it's not going to happen on like a class one, but like, just think if you get dehydrated or like a heat exhaustion or a heat stroke or, you know, a full on asthma, I don't, you know, whatever that may be, like you just weren't well prepared. Um, like these things can happen and you're high up. So rescue can take a long time, which is why I think, you know, those things can become, um, fatal or, you know, a medical expense. Yeah. I feel like for some people, it's probably almost like, uh, like they think that it's going to be easier because they're in like the parking lot, like, Oh, I can see the peak from here. It's like, doesn't look that far away. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then they start doing yeah. it. They're like, are we there yet? And then the joke is, yeah, you're almost there. And it's like two <laughs> hours later. <laughs> exactly. Cause it, it does it when an environment's as big as the mountains, everything, the perspective of it is your perspective. You're just not used to looking at something that's that big and yeah. you start walking and it's like, it's nowhere near as far as you thought it was. Nowhere. You're like, forever. Where is it? Or you, you see the summit and then you continue on and you're like, where did the summit go? Or like, what you thought was the summit they're like no it's behind that part of the like peak <laughs> we call it just a false summit um i forget which one it is um i have not done it yet my friend has i think it's belford and <laughs> my friends like just expect like seven false summits and it's just gonna annoy you the whole time and um i think belford is like one of the like 14 miles round trip it can be 15 round trip or 16 round trip if you want oxford as well and he's like yeah it's just terrible because it just brings your like hopes really far <laughs> down you're like oh my gosh i don't even want to continue on <laughs> yeah it's just like oh not the peak oh not the peak oh not the peak <laughs> yeah yeah it's like psych <laughs> so of all the ones that you've done so far do you have a favorite 14er that you've completed yet or um hmm. I would say oh man I mean uh I'm probably gonna be like totally trash for like saying it's gonna be like long peak but um <laughs> because people are going to be like really really you have not done enough um and I haven't I haven't done a lot of like the really beautiful ones like Huron and Missouri and you know um have you all, done all of that Maroon Bells yet I have not I have not um it is on the list not for this year it is yeah possibly more like next year um just because of just where it's at. I mean, from Denver, yeah, really it's far, far away. Yeah. yeah. And I would want to make sure I have enough time to hit both of the bells up. Um, cause I am not going to do the saddle where it's a class five. I'm just going to go up one and then, you know, next day go to the other. Um, so right now it's longs or even just doing the Kelso Ridge into touring. I just think they're like really fun, um, mentally challenging, but like so rewarding. I, and I want to do snuffles this year. And so I think that one's going to be my favorite just because I've been in the San Juan range region and it's so beautiful. I mean, it's just like unreal over there. So <laughs> I think once I really start hitting up the San Juans and I can say like, oh yeah, they're like all my favorite down there. But for now I would say longs and it could just be my personal obsession with it that happened three years ago. Yeah. You got it in your mind. And then when you finally did it, it was one of those like accomplishments. So like a personal yeah. like milestone. It, so it holds exactly. a special point. Exactly. So it was a lot of fun and I did it with my good friend Tommy and because he was with me in that moment when I first saw Long's Peak and learned about it 
and he hadn't done it either. We hadn't made promises to each other that we would do long sleep together. And we did. And that was epic. On an hour and a half of sleep, I do not uh, recommend that. <laughs> and then with winter hiking in the mountains, obviously it's much different than summer hiking. And I, I know that oh, yeah. I was talking to a mount, a guy in Mountaineers and just the amount of preparation that goes into mountaineering because you're, you're more mountaineering at that point. You're walking on ice fields, yeah. you're walking on snow and it's just a whole different yeah. experience. So yeah. if you want to talk um, about that. Yeah. And how so, you kind of, what kind of drug you into that side of things. Cause that's a, that's a whole nother realm. It's a I whole nother like. beast. <laughs> um, so once again, my friend, Tommy, I tell him how much I hate him. <laughs> I promise I love him. So Tommy, if you're listening, I do love you very much. I thank you for putting me in those situations. He, but I also trust him, right? Like he has done, yeah. I think now over 40, 14ers, so many in the winter, um, obviously in the summer. I mean, he's just beast mode. Um, I wish your, a little bit your voice more. cut out when you said wish oh. uh, can, so just say oh. that again I'll, I'll be able to edit it out so no problem oh yeah so I just wish he would have told me how much harder it was going to be um <laughs> like I don't I don't know what I was thinking so it so it was La Plata and this was oh man I I think it was, it will be like two years by this winter or like whatever spring, well, whenever it was, I could probably look back at my phone and see, um, but it was La Plata, which typically is a class two. So once again, here we are doing class twos as my first time in something on a 14er. <laughs> and I did buy snow or I did not buy snowshoes. Um, I borrowed some, which was fine. I would definitely recommend just going to like somewhere that just has some good, like heavy snow and, um, practice snowshoeing. Cause your walk is a little bit different. <laughs> and I tell girls, you know, cause girls typically kind of like cross over their legs. I'm like, have more of like a wider stance or um, like a butch walk, <laughs> little like lesbian terms there. Um, but yeah, a little bit more of like a butch walk with that because you have these huge snowshoes on that give you that buoyancy to, you know, be over the snow. Um, and it's weird going into it because you're walking and you are in a sense like floating on top of the snow and you do go down maybe like an inch or two just kind of depending on how well the snow is packed or anything like that and just be aware that if you did have to take off your snowshoes um which just don't um <laughs> you're gonna fall in about i mean i have fallen in hip up or like up to my hips so that's no fun um avoid trees there's something weird called like where it's trees like the, vacuum you it's the um <laughs> yeah it's in skiing too you don't want to take off your skis if it's like a powder day so like and then also the trees they they get the the kit like the concavity inside of it and you can fall into it kind of like a crevasse and yeah people can get stuck and die in this so yes so um just avoid them I know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> um and just know the snow is definitely deeper than um than what you think it is because you are with snowshoes um also like pack micro spikes a lot of times you are not going to need crampons unless you are going to be going over you know, like a big glacier, like something like Mount Rainier is going to be where you're going to need um, crampons. Yeah. A lot of the times here, you won't, except maybe on like a 
major class three, class four, and you're going up the Kool-Aid and you are, um, there's definitely going to be like thicker ice patches there um, where you need something of like a long enough spike. Other than that, get um, micro spikes. I do the Catula brand. They're like 70 bucks. Um, that's another advice. Pack them always. So <laughs> first time on my uh, winter 14er, uh, we got to the headwall of La Plata. And this is where you kind of scramble up and you gain the ridge. And that's where you kind of meet up with where the summer route kind of is. So that is the point where you're supposed to take off your snowshoes and put on micro spikes. I did not pack mine, even though my friend did tell me to. Um, so always like triple, quadruple check that you do have them. Um, we didn't summit anyways because out of nowhere, um, a storm came through. Um, and we just had to get off, get back into tree line. And by the time we were in tree line, then it all stopped. And it's like, well, it's too late at this point. We're just, you know, I'll come back for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, prepare for the worst of that. Um, still wear your base layers, still, you know, stay nice and warm. I do get warm sometimes where I'm just shedding layers, but honestly, you might as well have those layers just in case. Um, than to be ill-prepared for it. Um, yeah, and it it does get harder to eat, too. I will say that. I don't know why. I forget um, what the it what it's really called. Hard. I forget what it's called, but it, there's a medical term for it, and essentially with the whole blood thinning and all that, once you're higher in the altitude, mm -hmm. there's something about that that lowers your metabolism. Well, not, not lowers it, but it makes your body think that your metabolism's lower, but it's actually like sky high. Yeah. So yeah. you're burning all these calories, but your body's kind of like tricked into thinking that it's not. So you have to kind of force yourself to eat. So that's always, yeah. I forget the For medical me, it's term. Just I'd like have to so look it up. It's so hard to like swallow like things. So um, I suggest things that are like really easy to eat. Like I don't bring like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because I feel like I have like cotton mouth or something. <laughs> just a super dry mouth where I can't swallow something like peanut butter. Um, so I'll do like like little gummies, like um, like energy gummies or like fruit snacks. Um, sometimes I'll you know just grab some form of like chips <laughs> just to get more carbs in. Um, but just something that I know I could just swallow a little easier. Um, and drink like water. Like you were saying, there's some medical term for some reason. I just don't drink as much water. It's, it's not a medical term. I just looked it up and it, th there's not really a medical term for it, but it's definitely a known thing when, when you're hiking at altitude or doing anything at altitude, you don't feel like you need to drink or eat as much when in reality you should probably be eating and drinking more because your body's always working at that higher uh, threshold because oh, yeah. your heart rate, even your resting heart rates at like, higher than it would be at base level oh yeah so my, you're my you're, resting heart rate is usually at like 100 110 yep. when i'm up high yeah <laughs> so. for sure um yeah i don't yeah, see an actual term but it's a, it's definitely a thing and i've felt it <laughs> and anyone who's probably yes. been altitudes probably felt it like oh I'm, I'm not hungry and then by the end of the night you get back and you're just like wow i have no energy anymore <laughs> Yeah, you just depleted everything and and you didn't replenish like, any of it. <laughs> going on. Yeah, and I'm always like packing Gatorade or even just like an energy drink. Um even though they're super high in sugar, but I mean, you need I the I mean, you you just need it. You you need it like I mean, you said your body a, is working. Salt's another one of those things that people don't get enough of. Yes. So, I mean, it's like yep. you, it's like normally if you're not working out real hard yeah you don't want to put all these but like you're sweating all these things out you're losing your electrolytes yes. you're losing all these things that you need to get back or else you're just going to yes. be a zombie <laughs> <laughs> exactly i mean like if you if you want to just like pack some pickle juice 
go ahead. That sound good. <laughs> um, right. It's like super high in sodium and um, it'll prevent that cramping from happening and just helps you replenish a little bit more too. Um, but for something a little bit more flavorful, Gatorade works out really well and you have your electrolytes and <laughs> there. Um, but yeah, so I've done, so after La Plata, I did do Massive. Reason why we did not summit Massive is because once again, you think it's going to be this 14 mile round trip. We got to mile seven and we were like uh, another mile away, um, maybe a little less than a mile away from the summit and it was so late. And I just remember like, just crying. Um, not like, because I was sad. I was just so tired. And I'm like, I just want to nap right here. And we just turned around. Um, and then after that, I did quandary, which if you do want to do a winter 14er, just start off with something like quandary. Um, that was one I was able to summit, it was um, 30 mile per hour wind, which for a quandary is a great day. Um, for some reason, it just gets so windy on just that whole like range, like that and Sherman. Um, it, I'm trying to, you know, all just all those peaks, like even to Calibron, just that whole range is just so windy. So that was actually one of my fastest times. I think because the wind was just blowing in my face and I just kept my head down. I was wearing um, goggles that helps protect you. And <laughs> um, I just kept my head down and just like did not stop moving. I mean, so I think that's why it was my fastest. I did summit, it was great. And I, yeah, I mean, it's a shorter one too, so you might as well just do it in the winter if you do want to get into a winter 14er. How many miles is it round trip? They they say online, I think online it says 6.75, but I think I clocked it at like seven and a half. So, I mean, once they're out of tree line and you're just going straight up to the summit on Quandry, we kind of were just creating our own switchbacks and um you know because doing a switchback will be a little bit easier on your hike yeah than just walking straight up as far as like your energy levels go um but yeah after a certain point you are just walking straight up to the summit of quandary and you do see it the whole time which is nice there's no like false summit but so. it's so tiring especially if the wind is blowing on your face. It feels like one million needles are <laughs> just going straight into your skin. Yeah, the wind can get bad. I mean, I, I just know the coldest that I'd skied at was like, I think it was like seven or 10 degrees and on the backside of the mountain was whiteout conditions. And when you got up to the top, the whole, oh the whole lift was just being blown back. So just... Oh, wow. I've, I've not really got to experience too much of the crazy weather in the mountains yet, but I, I've experienced a little bit. So, and it, yeah, that wind can be killer. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. And that's the other thing too. Like whenever you're looking at um, the weather and just the temperature and all of that, you know, it might say, you know, on the mountain weather forecast that it's going to be 26 degrees, but in the winter, make sure, I mean, and summer too, like look at wind chill and that is what you're going to be feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the one that you summoned it, so was that your friend that took you on your first winter or did you do that with someone else? I actually did that one with someone else because my friend had already done quandary. Gotcha. And he did not want to repeat it unless it was a different route because there is a really fun class three route on Quandry. Um, so we just did the standard route. Just one of my friends, it was his first winter 14er. And, so, and he did it. I mean, he killed it. Um, <laughs> he was like, oh my gosh, that was so much harder than I thought. 
I was like, yeah, I mean, winter, winter, anything is going to be just a lot harder. I um, feel like, but yeah, it was good. I feel like there's just a certain point where, and I mean, I was talking, uh, I've talked to people who've climbed and all this other stuff, all these extreme sports. It, everyone seems to have the mindset of like, once it starts to like suck, it just kind of just get lost in your own mind. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I know oh, at least for absolutely. me, whenever it gets to like that bad, like when it gets bad, all of a sudden you just kind of get lost in your own mind and it's just step, 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 or whatever yes. it is that you're doing. Um, <laughs> so I do something, I mean, I don't know if other hikers do this. It's just what I do to just stay focused on just continue your step, keep hiking up. Um, I give myself a goal to like not take a break. So I'll say, okay, I need to do 200 steps, but I might count it in twos <laughs> or I might count it in odd, like, you know, I might count in the twos and like odd numbers or even numbers, whatever that may be. And then I'm like constantly trying to break my goal. So I'm like, oh, well, I still feel really good. Like I, I don't feel like I need a break and I'm at 200. So I'm just going to keep going until I'm tiring myself out. And I mean, that is something that we even do in Camp Gladiator where you tire out the muscle, um, which before I was a trainer with Camp Gladiator, I was what we call a camper, which is an attendee. And endurance week was, I mean, it's not my favorite um, just because you are working out the whole time, but it's so important just endurance week. to endure. <laughs> Yeah, just like your muscle endurance and really pushing your just body to continue on is so important. I mean, yes, it's a mental game as well, but to train your body how to tire out your muscles and really know when you need that break or you truly just cannot go on anymore. I mean, listen to your body, but you really will know and feel it. Um, yeah, it's so important. So that's why like on the hikes, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I broke my 200. Let's see how much more I can go. Makes sense. I know every, I, I just kind of start thinking about other things and just kind of try and get my mind off it and I just it's kind of like you yourself and just nature at that point it doesn't matter if I'm with a group or anything like that if I'm doing something difficult it's always at some point everything else just kind of like disappears all sounds and everything else just seems to like it's just yeah kind of gets <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe it <laughs> exactly because it's a hard feeling unless it just goes you've been silent. through it yeah Unless yeah, you've been through it and like, you've hit that point of just where the suck is so bad, you're just like, there's nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it either, except you definitely are in your head. It's almost like, I guess the best way for me to describe it is you're almost, you forget that you're even outside, like your body yeah. is moving and you're in your head of like emptiness and silence and it's really trippy <laughs> I, you um, kind of like, need to get did there I take a drug <laughs> I feel <laughs> like, like the people that don't keep doing the uh, like hard things like that and don't continue on with it that you kind of need to be able to get to that space if you can't you're just going to be focusing way too much on suck and be like, ah, oh, this is terrible. I don't want to do this anymore. And once you start getting yeah. into that mindset, it's game over. So it's like, it's almost like you're trying to look at within yourself and try to like, if your body did have a true voice, like trying to listen to your body instead of thinking about how bad the situation is. Yeah. Cause your body can yeah. definitely take more than you think it can usually. So <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah that's what I tell people you know um whenever I'm training them or even on hikes I mean sometimes I'll even just like coach myself <laughs> and that could just be like the like athlete part in me because I was a yeah. big track athlete and so 
I'm like, come on, Natalie, like you could do it. And like, you're yelling at yourself and you're like, wow, I am so weird. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's all individual sports. I feel like you have to, you have to be your own, like, even if there's other people cheering you on, you're, you're your own. It's just you and that's it. And all those individual sports. I mean, yeah, you might be a part of a team, but when it comes down to it, you're the one doing, and, and that's, you're the only one out there doing it. So it doesn't matter about everyone else around you. It's just you and either for you, it was the track. I've climbing and skiing are my two favorite sports. So very individual sports. Yeah. You have your player like, Hey, you can do one more move. You can do this. And like, it's nice to have that little bit of extra backup, but most of it comes from internal for all the individual sports. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. And, and like you were saying, like the two more, you know, two more reps or two more steps, you're like, you do start asking yourself, you're, you know, you try to stop or you don't want to continue on. You're like, give me five more, just go five more steps. And then you just go and you're like, oh man, now I'm at 50 steps. <laughs> it's like, okay, the summit is right there. And, and then you're like, okay, you see the summit and you're like going, going, going. Um, cause you're just like, I just want this over with. <laughs> yeah. Get to the downhill. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I definitely like like downhill. Um, I mean, a lot of guys are going to say that the, um, uh, you cut out just a little bit, and... you cut out just a little bit, just start, oh. start back at, uh, some, some guys is where was the last thing I oh, heard. Yeah. So a lot of guys will say that going up is a lot easier than their descent because, yeah, and it just depends on, like, the guy. Um, I mean, the scientific biology part is women have a lower center of gravity, and so, therefore, we don't feel that, like, pressure and pain as much when we are going down. And if you think about it, women typically have like, um, based off of their body will have just bigger legs than like arm strength or like calves, right? Versus guys will focus a lot more on their arms and be more like top heavy versus like focusing on their legs, which I mean, your quads are the largest <laughs> muscle group. So you should be, yeah. um, it also helps with, um, relieving any type of like knee pain, the stronger your quads are, the less pain that you would feel in your knees. And that goes for like well, either gender. Uh, scientifically, you're just taking pressure off your knees. Cause the more that your muscles are there, your muscles are just taking more of the burden. So there's exactly. less of that. You got more, uh, what's it called? Spring, I guess, more cushion, mm-hmm. more, more compression, yeah. like resistance. So it's not yes. putting the wear and tear on your knees as much. Exactly. And I tell people that with um, when they are experiencing knee pain, I'm like, you know, you should just look into strengthening your quads a bit more, um, do some resistance training with it. I mean, just make them a lot stronger and I promise it will help. Um, but yeah, I definitely prefer going down. I'm so much faster at it. I mean, I can be the, a lot slower in like a group, I would say like out of like super avid hikers, um, probably like right there in the middle. So they might be at the top and then by the time I get down and they're going down, well, I'm going to catch up to them going down because I can be super fast on that. Gotcha. So now to, I guess, uh, training. So I'm sure after the first one, you knew you had to get in shape a little bit more to start hitting more of them, it sounds like. So definitely. what was kind of the first things that you start doing to try and get ready for future 14ers after that first one that you did? So, I mean, as I mentioned, I was already doing Camp Gladiator um, because I had started that out in Texas. And then when I moved here, um, luckily, they also had outdoor locations. Um, And I am asthmatic. So for me, it was, I focused a lot on cardio and just strengthening my lungs as far as, you know, me being an asthmatic um, went. 
So strengthening my lungs, doing cardio, trying to endure more. So a lot of like muscle endurance, like I mentioned. Um, another thing too that like Camp Gladiator does is this strength and agility side. And I focus a lot on this agility part. So that's going to be everything from just like how you, like your reaction, um, that reflex, because you're hiking and, and this can come from experience too. Like you don't have to do this cross training like I do. Um, I know a lot of people that don't, um, and they just go and experience different hikes and get better that way. But it is nice to know that like I have trained my brain to where if something happens, my, you know, muscles are able to react very quickly and um, correct it, you know. So if you step wrong, you know, how fast can I grab onto something secure or change my, um, you know, planning of my foot or whatever that may be to save my life. I mean, I've definitely like on La Plata was in a situation where I had slipped on that head wall and I had to think very quickly before I just shot off a thousand feet. And, you know, that was to just take my trekking pole as fast as I could because I did not have an ice axe. And I just did the strongest force I could right into the ground. Um, and then flex my feet up and try to secure myself um, to stop that momentum. So like endurance, agility, and then, I mean, just like mentally know, like that, that part gets, that part's hard to train, but. Mental game's know, always like, the hardest yeah. without doing it. Mental yeah. game is, it holds, I feel like in every adventure sport, that's, that's like the biggest hold back for people is that and yeah. I'm sure in 14ers which I don't know many people in that that do like a ton of those but I'm sure there's people that starting off like you get like halfway there and like you question if you can even do it and then like the, the mental yeah. being like yes I can and just like staying on yeah. point and I know with climbing for me getting past your first big lead fall <laughs> is a terrifying thing because taking your first lead fall that's like and like your first real lead fall outside is just it's it's a little terrifying because you're above the your last piece of equipment and you're like oh yeah I'm gonna fall and it's gonna be like 30 feet and it's there's that moment of like but being able to not let that creep into your mind that fear that's just kind of there that's not real fear but it's fear because you're like this has never happened before so at least in climbing, you grab before that first fall, like, and you really get mentally stronger and like mental, like you're above the wall and you trust your gear and you can actually climb right. hard. You, if you get scared, you kind of like uh, tense up and like grab the wall harder and then just stop climbing. And then at that point, you've pretty much doomed yourself to fall no matter what. So, right, I'm right. Sure there's your body a, does fall. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a, there's that aspect of 14ers too if you get like fearful like you're just that that fear people don't realize drains energy so fast whenever you get yeah, anything it, like that yeah it's it's either i mean like psychology 101 fight or flight and yep. you know like are you going to fight or are you going to let fear take over and probably i mean depending on the sport right like can yeah. lead to um death uh, yeah. <laughs> like hate to say it but it, it's our reality being um you know out there in the great outdoors like as beautiful as it is like remember mother nature is super strong and she will win every single time <laughs> you know, yeah every single time so yeah just like the mentality I mean that's it's hard to train like me and you have both said um, I think as long as you just know the situation, so like continue asking as many questions, you know, what, what can happen and just know the risk, know how hard it's going to be. Um, I just had a friend who, um, is out here on vacation and I, I noticed on their Insta story that they did 
quandary and super, super like bodybuilding type guy. Um, <laughs> and he, I was just talking to him about it. I was like, Hey, like how is quandary? Saw that you did it. Like, congrats, like huge man. And he was like, that was the hardest thing ever. And I felt so out of shape. Like well, bodybuilders yeah, well, aren't built, bodybuilders aren't built for that. Yeah. <laughs> Same with climbing. Yeah, it's, not... it's funny. I was taking in people to climb for the first time and they're like super buff. Like, Oh, I, I, I work out in the gym all the time. This is going to be easy. And then they get like two climbs nope. in and it's like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe you're not going to feel it on your muscles, like as much, but you're going to feel it mentally and in your lungs <laughs> Plus, for sure same with hiking is as with any with like climbing too and i feel like i mean keeping fit is like when i say fit yeah the bodybuilders are fit i'm talking about like lean i guess so being lean yeah. in climbing and hiking because every pound that you have on is an extra pound that you are carrying up that hill so exactly. if you're 100 pounds of muscle heavier you're carrying up an extra hundred pounds of muscle. That's, yeah. a, that's a lot of weight. <laughs> it's not like. Yeah. And I mean, with that being said, like, I don't want anyone to think that if they're heavier, that like if they are not muscle heavy, yeah. um, you know, they're just more fat heavy. Um, I have seen all different body shapes going up for oh, years. Yeah. Like you can do it. Just know it is going to be very mental, but cardio really helps. And the only reason why, like, you do typically see people up on these higher elevation hikes are lean is because they probably are focusing more on cardio, um, which does create lean muscle versus bulking up the muscle. Um, and that's just like how the biology happens um, of our of when you are doing these type of sports. So, cause it's a, in a sense, it's a marathon. I mean, you're yeah. doing these climbs, hikes, and it is a straight up marathon. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that. So with uh, the training for you, I, I mean, you do the camp gladiators at the main thing. Well, obviously that's probably the main thing that you do. So what's <laughs> the mix of, what do you focus on mainly when it comes to obviously it's a full body, but what are the main muscle groups that are most important when it comes to uh, hiking 14ers, do you think? Well, legs, I mean, strengthening your quads. So everything from, um, you know, your squats, you know, I really make sure that I'm going below parallel. I see so many people, they do like these baby squats. I'm like, that, that does nothing. Um, and there's different squat positions that can strengthen different parts of um, your upper leg area. So your inner thighs, which are your adductors, obviously you have your quads, you know, strengthening your hamstrings, which can come from deadlifts. Um, for me, because like, let's be honest, I don't like push-ups <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's because I just, I don't have good like arm strength. And so you know, like try out everything in the outdoors, um, or even if it's like indoor climbing and kind of get a feel for, are my arms strong enough for my body weight? And just see like what type of level you're at with that. And that will also kind of help you determine like what body parts and muscle groups you need to focus on. Um, I definitely like focus on strengthening my arms just a bit more um, because I was a dancer for about 10 years and some of my legs are solid and because my legs are a lot easier to work out than my arms. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm still doing it. Obviously it's full body workout, um, but I definitely try to strengthen my arms a bit more because yeah, you might be in that situation where your legs aren't going to save you your arms are and yeah. like your grip it's like trying to strengthen your forearms a lot of people don't even think about their forearms a lot they think of like biceps triceps like strengthen your forearms because i'm sure you feel it like as a climber 
um, really Popeye that's arms. where you're feeling. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you feel it right up there on your forearm part. I know whenever I've done indoor climbs, um, I'm like, oh my gosh, my forearm hurts. It goes away um, after a while. It goes away after a while. It does. <laughs> yeah. And it's just um, like working on your grip yeah. and strengthening that. It's like one of those harder muscle group areas to um, work on and your triceps too. I feel but like going, that's, going on. Uh, I feel like core is probably a huge thing too. Just keeping your core yeah. super strong because mm-hmm. and anything with that moving back and forth, you're hiking that core is going to add a lot of energy to each step. And a lot of people think their um, core is like having a six pack. It is not people. It is not. Um, (laughs) It is like your core. Okay, guys, like think of the earth. What, you know, the very center is called the core. So think the very center internal part of like your muscle group and your body, that is your core. So like, yes, doing like, an ab series will help but I mean there's so many different things that you can do just to like activate your core and anytime you are working out like doing any form of like full body cross training you should be activating your core um so like when you're doing a squat and you come back to that standing position you should like like flex your abs okay and then that's how you know you're activating your core and like pushing your hip flexors forward um that's like a good way to kind of figure out like what your core like where it is and you're like oh okay yeah I I felt that that did feel different (laughs) awesome um I guess besides all that is there anything else that you're into the outdoors I I know that the 14s are are like your big thing I didn't know if you were into anything else but that's pretty much all the questions I, yeah. I had. I I have not gone like snowboarding or skiing yet. I definitely want to. Um and I I want to experience um going like ice climbing because that could I mean that seems very fun and exhilarating. Um I definitely want to try that out at some point this winter. But I mean, in the winter time, I've, besides like doing a 14er, um, I do just enjoy like a good like nature hike and just walking over and completely ice out lake is just, I don't know. It's different. It's fun. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, like Jesus walking over water, (laughs) but this thing is totally frozen. And then it's also terrifying. You're like, oh my gosh, like what if it cracks? right now (laughs) there's those videos Uh, where it's like uh what's the name of the ice that's like just thin enough that you can barely like ice skate on it and it makes that super i've seen the videos of people like ice skating um, on it it makes that really cool noise and it's like when it's super smooth water and it's just barely frozen enough and it makes that like echoey noise when they're ice skating on it and that's just that would be trippy i don't (laughs) know the name of it but i have been over a lake that did that and that was terrifying I'm like I'm (laughs) off I'm done no we're not I'm not doing I'm staying on a trail um and just be aware guys like when you are doing winter hikes you may be going over a lake and you have no idea um so just read the trail and like yeah. know your map and at a certain um, point in the that. winter at a certain point in the winter it's definitely going to be frozen over though <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um yeah as far as like just like hiking um I mean I, I I've gotten into camping which is great I want to now that I know that I'm good with like camping um there is a reason why I didn't go camping for a long time. And that's just because I'm severely allergic to a lot of different bug bites. Um, and I'm not allowed to have an EpiPen. So yeah. Um, but camping was good. I have figured out ways to prevent myself from getting bit. And now I want to go into some backpacking. So, you know, doing through hikes. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, doing that through hiking. So for those who don't know what a through hiker is, that is when you're going days and days um, hiking. So like Colorado Trail would be something super epic for me to do, even if I like just broke it down um, like every weekend or something of that sort. Um, that would be really rad. Awesome. Well, that's all the questions I have. Uh, you can shout out. Uh, Natalie is a Camp Gladiator instructor, so I will have her info up about that if you'd be interested. She is digital right now, so everything is online. So, Yes, yeah, and we just opened back up um, outdoors. So I am at Washington Park and Kramer Park as well. So um, yeah, like come just hit me up and, you know, we could do like a one week free type situation, get you to try it out. And just like for me, it may help you out as a hiker. Maybe you're trying to prepare for big hikes or any other sport, I'm sure. <laughs> Cause it seems uh, yeah, like a full body. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it is, it is. It's a full body cross training style. It's a progressive program. So like I had talked about the endurance strength and agility, we do interval as well. Um, and then peak. So that's where you test your limits. Um, just like awesome. those 14ers and your yeah. rock climbing, <laughs> test your limits. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much for uh, coming on. Happy to have you. And I will see you guys on the next episode.